How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I'm your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensi. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going good, going good. Uh, watching hockey, recording podcasts, and uh, we got a very special episode for us today. So do you want to just get right in her? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And believe me, we this is, we're going to have a great episode ahead of us. A lot of stuff to talk about. But before we get to any of that, we've got a very special guest on the line joining us for today's episode. Now, over the past several years, this person has joined us for season preview shows, season recaps, and exclusive interviews. But for the first time in our show's history, he is joining us as an exclusive co-host. And I'm proud to say, ladies and gentlemen, joining us from Vancouver, British Columbia, Trevor Shackles. Trevor, I'm really excited to have you back on the program once again. So the big question I got to ask right out of the gate, given that this is your fourth time on the podcast, honest thoughts going from Skype to Zoom. <laughs> yeah, I got to say it. Well, first of all, honor again uh, to be on your show. It's it's always fun. And yeah, I think, I mean, I haven't even been doing, been doing Zoom um, interviews. So I think yeah, it's definitely better than Skype's. I don't know. I mean, Skype dropped the ball in the last year uh, with, with COVID and everything. I, I just can't believe that Skype doesn't have the monopoly on that on that market. But uh, yeah, Zoom is nice. And yeah, we were just saying that because all of our previous interviews had just been audio and, and no video. So it's nice to see your lovely smiling faces. <laughs> Absolutely. And this time, unlike that one time five years ago, I'm actually sober for this. So this is great. <laughs> <laughs> so Trevor... Again, I'm really excited to have you on the program. Now, like I said, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. So the first thing we got to do, we got to talk about today's cover athlete because today's episode is season five, episode two in chronological order, episode 97, the Matt Gilroy edition of the third line plug, Sensecast. So just a little background about Matt Gilroy. He signed as a free agent with the New York Rangers in 2009, following four years at Boston University. He went on to spend two and a half seasons with the New York Rangers and Tampa Bay Lightning, later being traded to the Ottawa Centers at the 2012 trade deadline for Brian Lee, recording one goal, two assists for three points in 14 games for Ottawa that season, and later played in the American Hockey League, the KHL, and the Swiss League. So when it comes to Matt Gilroy, he's one of these guys that, again, he didn't play long enough really to really have an opinion. So honestly, do you have any memories or even remember him as an Ottawa Center, Trevor? Yeah, I mean, I have, I have a bit of a memory. I mean, he played in that series against the Rangers in 2012. And I remember he had he had a bit of pedigree before that um, coming out as a, you know, having a solid college career. Um, you know, he ended up being kind of similar to what, you know, sort of like a Chris Weidman type where it's like, you know, he had a good college career, offensive defenseman, but, you know, wasn't really much more than like a 6th, 7th D in the NHL. Um but yeah, I mean, he, he was only there for those, those 12 games, like you said, and, and some of those playoff games, but um, yeah, I don't know. It, it felt like he was there a bit longer than that, but obviously not. And he was, he was gone after that. So um, yeah. Interesting. Well, guy. It's funny because he's like a lot of those college signings that Brian Murray brought in around like 2011 to 2013, yeah. where it's all these guys who are like highly tutored and then just don't really stick or do anything. Like you have your Roman Wicks, your Bobby Butlers, all those Absolutely. sorts of guys. And Matt Gilroy, definitely the corrective to Brian, the Brian Lee just not panning out, but this one is funnier because it, it fits into that pattern again, breaking the kayfabe a little when taste was doing the rundown for this episode, telling us that, Oh, it's the Matt Gilroy episode. I, I laughed. Because <laughs> I had legitimately forgot Matt Gilroy existed. Yeah, I haven't really thought about him for years. 
Same. And even for me, when I was looking up who was going to be the cover athlete for today, I was just like, Matt Gilroy. Like I was trying to pick, I was trying to place a face to a name. And it was one of those things where like, you could throw any name at me and I'm just like, Oh yeah, this player played for this team. This guy played for that team. Matt Gilroy. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially. Yeah, pretty much. So given that we talked about Matt Gilroy, we got to talk about next week's cover athlete because next week's episode will be season five, episode three in chronological order, episode 98, the Victor Mete episode. So it should be a good one for <laughs> next week anyway. So now that we talked about our cover athlete and given that we have a guest co-host, we got to talk with you, Trevor, because again, like I said, it's your fourth appearance on the show. You're still the reigning record holder for the most appearances on the program. <laughs> Given that it's been a little while since we've had you on, can you give our listeners a little bit of an update about what you've been yeah, up to and as well as a big update regarding Cosper Pointcast? Yeah, I, I'm, I can't remember exactly when I was on last, but I mean, yeah, I'm back writing at Silver Seven Sends, um, so I'm not sure if I was before that. So I rejoined them last November, I want to say. So it's been about a year since I've been back there and not writing quite as as much as I would sometimes, like usually more instead of like twice a week, maybe like once a week, but you know, it's still, uh, it's still fun doing that. And as you alluded to for the cost per point cast, you know, I I'm similarly, what was I on? Like, I think my last episode was episode 93. So, you know, we're, we're both getting close to hundred there and it's, yeah. So Colin Cudmore was my co-host on there until a uh, similar time about the last, about a year ago, last November. And, you know, he just had to take a step back from things um, from hockey in general and, you know, just, he's got other other more important things in his life and so the past year it's just been a lot of i don't know it's been it's been a bit of a challenge to get these episodes out and have people on and and then plus just when i had colin he would edit half the episodes and i would edit half so you know it's just a bit of a workload thing so i think i'm gonna reach 100 episodes and probably a few more by the end of this season like if i do one one episode a month um and I will probably stop there. Maybe, I mean, who knows? It could just be a bit of a hiatus, but I'll take a bit of time away from the Cosmo Point cast just because it's a bit of a, as you guys know, it's a bit of a, it, it just, it's, it can be time consuming and it's fun. And like, I love doing this and I love talking with you guys and, and it's, it's great and all that. Um, but yeah, if, if you, you know, haven't produced podcasts and, and um, you know, written scripts and, and all these things that, it's difficult to realize like just how time consuming some of that can be. So um, yeah, I, I'd like to take a bit of a step back while still continue continuing to write past this season. So that's kind of what I, what I've been up to, um, you know, still out in Vancouver. So, you know, pretty close to you, Taylor, but not, not quite, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my most recent update. Cause I remember last time you were on, it was for our season preview show for last season. And I believe okay. I believe you did just go back to silver seven. I think yeah. Colin was still with the, no, I think, sorry, Colin just exited the pockets for that point. But I think the mm. big thing is that I think you were doing your masters, if I'm not mistaken at UBC. Last uh, it's close. I mean, I was, uh, I was doing educa education program. So, uh, although no, I would have been, I would have been finished that at that point. Um, but, uh, you know, good memory. <laughs> I was at UBC in, so I would have finished that in 2020, like the summer 2020. But yeah, so I've been, um, you know, I've been teaching since then. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty interesting. 
For sure. And, you know, even talking about cost per point gas, I know that I mentioned this on Twitter to you was that it's hard to believe like when third line plug started in 2017, really the landscape of sense podcast really was mm. cost per point gas. Uh, so sense, sense call up, sorry. And there's like one or two other shows. There really was nothing out there. It You're was right. just us. And now you look at the, you know, Brandon Mackey's got an internal budget Alex Metzger's got lost word on puck. You know, you see all these people in the sense Twitter community that Oz podcast know. And I think it's great. Like I don't consider third line plug to be an OG sense podcast. I think sense culture yourself is more of that in my personal opinion, but it was still kind of a gut punch for me when I read that cost per point cast was coming to an end. Cause I remember, like I said, like it was a big influence on this show and you were always so gracious and agree to anything that we ever asked to come on despite the fact we make our I shouldn't say we I say stuff, <laughs> stuff awkward if I'm being honest but I am really like I said it was such a gut punch for me and but you know what I get it it is very time consuming Tim and I know firsthand we both got two podcasts and we know how time consuming so yeah we get it mm-hmm. so now that we got a bit of an update from Trevor Tim I know last week you talked about a New hockey anime. I know you gave your thoughts on the first two episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So any more update on the show for this week? Yeah, so uh, third episode aired on Wednesday. Sorry, Thursday. And uh, they finally played a hockey game. Okay. They got fucking dusted. <laughs> so basically, plot leading up to this is one of the one of the girls is like, oh, I'm moving away. So like, oh, we have to play a hockey game so we can make fun memories. So uh, the coach finds a competent local team to play against them and so the teams line up, and it's a full team of 20 girls versus six. That goes about as well as you would expect. The final score is 9-1, but they scored once, and that's all that matters. God, the hockey really, actually looks pretty good. This is this really is like an anime version of the Mighty Ducks, isn't it? It really is, yeah. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up with uh, Team Japan beating Team Canada at the end. Just to really drive home the D4 illusion. <laughs> Uh, this isn't really a segment that we really need Matt Bosty on because Bosty, you and him, absolutely, just, yeah, you, know, yeah. you guys would just be so into this. And I just sit back and like, all right, just let go for what it. Are we, is this going to be the Sens anime podcast that uh, all of two people want? Yeah, you and Bosty. <laughs> I mean, you both got the long hair, so you know, it works. This isn't a usual thing. <laughs> this is just, I've been too lazy to go to the barber during COVID. It's true. Absolutely fair. You know what's funny, and I know our listeners can't exactly see Tim on the screen right now. I made a comment to him last week that he really kind of has Amika Zibanejad, Eric Carlson thing, circa 2017 with the long hair. All he's missing is facial hair. That's all he's missing right now. Yeah, we're growing it in. Are you? Yeah, a bit. Oh. Sweet. So <laughs> I'll give a little bit of update about what I've been up to this week. And again, it was just one of those weeks where super busy super crazy got up to do a few things over the weekend that was really cool one of the things i did do is for a long time like i kind of wanted a chain and i had a chain for a little while so i bought one on amazon it came in today i don't know if you got either of you guys remember remember the old choker chains from like 20 years ago the ones that literally <laughs> wrapped around your neck goodness <laughs> thing was it felt that tight and it was a 20 inch but i'm a pretty decent sized guy like and i didn't realize it wouldn't hang so low it came up to here on me it came right below my adam's apple i'm like this is not right this is super tight i'm like nope i took it off i was like no i'm not wearing this crap <laughs> what you're telling me you're not into the 
the big titty goth GF style of chokers and all? No. <laughs> Still my beating heart. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But, you know, what can I say? Honestly, it was a decent week. Got some cool stuff over the weekend, so can't complain. And the one thing I will say, though, is I know we're talking about it in the hockey game, but God, it's so good to finally play the American teams for once. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. How many times did we play each team last year? Was it nine? I guess or nine, eight? Yeah. Nine? Yeah. Just like yeah, sick of all, all all those Canadian teams. So, um, yeah, can't agree more. Sure. I realized I don't think I ever want to see another Vancouver Canucks Ottawa Senators game for at least three <laughs> more months. <clears throat> Unless you're seeing them live. Yeah. Well, that's quantitatively different. Sorry, qualitatively different. Oh, 100%, man, 100%. I know in January, I got my tickets to go, so it'd be great. How, yeah, actually, how much um, I need to get on that? How much did they cost for you, Taylor? Uh, I'm up in the 300, so it was about 100 a piece. So it wasn't too bad. Really? That's, but Norwich, I mean, normally, like, you can get them for 50, 60. So, man, I guess, uh, I guess prices are going up, though. Well, keep yeah. it, and I talked about this last week on the show, like, in the lower bowl, it's like, Buck sixty. Oh, that's weird. Buck sixty. <laughs> yeah, it's. I guess it, it must be because of COVID and everybody's coming back. They're thinking like, oh yeah, we could charge the prices, but it's not like I'm buying it from like a Vivid Seats or a resale market. I'm buying it right from the the team. So okay, yeah. So it wasn't too too bad. So mm, all right. So I know I tend to talk about this every week, but one of the favorite things about this show is segueing into this little segment I like to call top of the hour nice not, not my best segue but you know what <laughs> damn it it works for me <laughs> so boys let's get into talking about some news stories and we're going to start off not in vancouver but in the frozen hellhole known as edmonton because we got a couple of edmonton Oilers stories to start off with Starting off with Edmonton Oilers captain Connor McDavid moved past Doug Wade for seventh on the Oilers all-time points list with 579 during the game versus the Calgary Flames on October 16th. McDavid, drafted first overall by Edmonton in 2015, has since recorded three goals, five assists for eight points since then. This guy is in my hockey pool and I love him. <laughs> <laughs> And yet you are what second right now in the pool? Second. Yeah, just because all of my supporting cast decided to do literally nothing. Yeah. But I, I do want to say one thing about this because when I was writing this story, you know those like those big name players, they've been in the NHL for so long. You tend to forget there's certain teams they played for. Kind of forgot Doug Waite played for the Oilers for a, I don't know, yeah. seven seasons or whatever he played for them. Well, you always put them to the Islanders, right? Yeah, I would say with the Isles or who else did he play for? Well, Blues, because I mean that's who I would say to just because just because that's when I like he was playing there when I started kind of actually following hockey closely. So yeah, but I guess wait or sorry, I guess Oilers would have been what was that like late nineties? Is that when he was there? Or? Yeah, mid to late nineties. Because I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I think he went from the Rangers to the Oilers. So. But no, I mean, Connor McDavid, I mean, look, he he will eventually get to Gretzky if he stays healthy. He's been in, those, he's been in the league, what, 
six years, seven years now. Like he's going to cash him if he stays healthy. And outside of his rookie year, he's been able to do it. And the fact that he's consistently been a hundred point guy every season, even if COVID or whatever tries to wipe out a season, like it, mm-hmm. this guy is just incredible. I mean, what can you really say about Connor McDavid? That hasn't already been said. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't realize. I didn't realize it was that high. 500, 579. That's <laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that high, but uh, yeah, I mean, he he's got a shot at closing in on two thousand by the end of his career. I don't know. He'll he'll be way up there, maybe. But then again, like we said last week, Trevor and I, we said on the show, like we never thought that Gretzky's record for most goals could ever be broken. And here's Alex Ovechkin. He's what mm-hmm. 160, 170 away from that. So I think he could do it. Oh, 100%, man, 100%. Now we're going to move away from the first overall pick in our fantasy draft here to the second overall pick because Edmonton Oilers forward Leon Dreisaitl became the fourth fastest Oiler to record 200 career goals during the team's game versus the Anaheim Ducks. Dreisaitl, who did it in 481 games, is in a class alongside Mark Messier, who reached, reached it in 442, Yari Curry with 328, and Wayne Gretzky at 242. I'm not going to lie, Leon Dreisaitl, okay, he's one of these guys for me, he was really good. I don't know how he reached that next level, but he went from like really good to really being, I wouldn't say a peer to Connor McDavid, but being very much on par with him in Edmonton. Yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, after McDavid, you'd, you'd put him him and kind of McKinnon in that same tier, probably. Um, I think a lot of, you know, if you put Dreisaitl on a team like, I don't know, just a, a random, if you put him in like Florida or something, just like a random good team, probably doesn't get quite as many points on the power play. But yeah, he's still certainly insanely good. And, and it's, as you mentioned, he, he kind of went from like a 70 point guy to all of a sudden like a hundred, 110 point guy. Yeah. Um, and he just stayed there and uh, it's been pretty cool to see. And similar to Stutzla, I just love that it's a German guy that is, is doing this, you know, not some, you know, no offense to any boys from Ontario and Alberta or whatever, but it's not just some random <laughs> guy from Ontario, Alberta, you know, it's a, it's a, just a different place that a guy's from. And it's really driving uh, youth participation, at least watching hockey in Germany, because they're, from what I've heard when watching uh, World Junior Broadcast, they're saying that, yeah, any game that Stutzla was involved in, like, they were getting a huge amount of uh, German folks watching. And uh, now that Hockey Night in Canada's also got a German language program, I think uh, it's another country that it looks primed to kind of start deploying more NHL talent. Well, it's amazing, especially from a country that is definitely a soccer country more than anything in the Germany. Like Germany has been a very, very dominant soccer country. And it's good to see that their hockey program is getting to that point. Now on the topic of German hockey, I don't know if you guys could see that, but my sister was in Germany a couple of weeks ago. She brought me back an EHC Red Bull Munich t-shirt. So that's where I'm mm. I didn't realize, I mean, I know there's, cause yeah, there's a bunch of Red Bull teams. Like I've, I've seen the, the Salzburg, um, if they have a hockey and soccer team there. So I wasn't sure what Red Bull team that was. Yeah. And that's funny. I didn't realize how many teams Red Bull really sponsors. There's the New York football team. They, they are sorry, soccer team. I should say the New York soccer team, the Red mm-hmm. Bull, you know, hockey team, even looking on their website, there's like 
a whole list of teams that they support. And it's like, Oh <laughs> wow. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get it. It's Red Bull. They got all that money to throw around. So, you know, <laughs> they're probably one of the most prolific sports supporting companies on the planet, if not the most prolific sports sponsoring companies. Like they have an F1 team for God's sakes. <laughs> well, remember when they used to do the, I, I'm sure there's probably still are, but remember when they used to do the crash dice in Quebec city and they were the big oh, sponsor. Yeah. Of that? yeah. Okay. Honest question. Would either one of you guys do that? If someone paid you enough? Oof. Well, yeah. I, mean, I would just go really slow. <laughs> like, I mean, but yeah, holy, that's so dangerous. I, that should be in the Olympics. Oh my God. Could you imagine crash ice at the Olympics? I would watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Trevor, in all the years that we've been doing third line plug, one of the things I hate talking about is death. And while we don't really have a top death to talk about on top of the air for this episode, it is death related. Kevin Haynes senior, the father of the late NHLer Jimmy Hayes told the Boston globe that a mixture of cocaine and fentanyl was found in Hayes system at the time of his passing. Hayes, who spent seven seasons in the NHL with four teams, the Chicago Blackhawks, Florida Panthers, Boston Bruins, and New Jersey Devils, passed away on August 23rd, 2021, at the age of 31. You know, this is a story, I gotta say, this just gutted me when I read that. Again, because I'm instantly reminded of what happened with Derek Bugard 10 years ago when he had the mixture of the painkillers and alcohol. And it's so sad that heavy painkillers is such a problem in the nhl and i i don't want to go record say the nhl isn't trying to eliminate that or trying to help but when you're seeing guys like this still dying from this stuff it's really calling for it's a call for action from the nhl now at this point at the same time though cocaine and fentanyl are both street drugs and fentanyl is really bizarre to see in a professional athlete because fentanyl is mostly a drug of last resort when you can't afford crystal meth. So it's really surprising. Honestly, I mean, for, I don't know what this landscape is like elsewhere, but I know in BC fentanyl has been a big issue and that's, and it's not necessarily because it's purchased by people. It's, it's put into drugs like Mm. unknowingly. So, you know, I, I, I would probably bet that's what happened here is um, because I, I know of like, I don't know personally people who have died from fentanyl, but like I know of actually quite a few people just like in, in my community in Richmond, Vancouver, who have died from overdosing. And, and it wasn't, it was like a situation where they didn't know they were taking it. Um, right. you know, it was laced with, or like it, they were taking, you know, molly or, or cocaine yeah. or whatever it was laced with fentanyl and it's sad yeah like i mean e- either way it's sad if, if he was taking it knowingly or unknowingly oh, yeah yeah like fentanyl is just kind of ripped through a lot of communities and it's it's pretty sad yeah well it is especially here in vancouver island it's the exact same thing where you read a lot of these deaths and it's always kids it's always teenagers yeah. or yeah. in their early 20s and it's just like I get it that you want to go out and party and have a good time, but this is dangerous, man. When you end up dying from it and you're absolutely right when they're not unknowingly taking it and they're putting it in the drugs and people don't know about it. You're just like, I think that's when it really 
sucks the most is when these guys don't know it. That's what it would be. It's definitely one thing if they know, but if when they don't know and they end up dying from it, you just got to be mm-hmm. like, uh, like, what can you really say? Like it, you're absolutely right. It's so sad to them. Like, and I think when I know when Tay and I were growing up, I definitely had friends who uh, were big into the underground party scene. So a lot of ecstasy. And uh, I can only imagine if fentanyl was uh, a big deal when we were kid, when we were young, a lot, there'd be a lot more people just dead in high school. And it's a perspective that we definitely have to keep in mind when we're thinking about these sort of things is it is a different world out there than even 10 years ago. Yeah. And we also have to, you know, have the conversation about like addictions and, and things like that. Like, and, and it's good that we are like one of the, one person who's doing a lot of work in terms of that um, from a sports perspective is Rick Westhead, who's done a, a great job with TSN. Like he's, just kind of opened people's minds to uh, prescriptions and um, how dangerous that's been, especially like in the NHL um, and, you know, kind of having that unchecked. And then um, obviously like cocaine isn't something that's being prescribed by doctors and stuff, but along those same lines of just drug use and, um, and addiction and things like that. So, you know, having more conversations about, yeah, like a, uh, addictions and how, how dangerous they can be and, and things like that are, are really important. So it, at least we are having those conversations and it's not just, um, I don't know. I, I think people are becoming more aware of these things. So sticking with really sad stories, we've got another one to talk about New York, legend, New York Islanders legend and hockey hall of fame inductee Mike bossy revealed in an open letter published by TVA sports that he is battling lung cancer. Bossy drafted 15th overall by the New York Islanders in 1977, spent 10 seasons with the Islanders recording 573 goals, 553 assists for 1,126 points in 752 games while also winning the Calder trophy, three lady bings and four straight Stanley cups from 1980 to 1983 while being named Conn Smythe's winner in 1982. You want to talk about a guy who was so overshadowed by Gretzky. If you go back and look at his stats in the 80s, you're legit looking at this guy like, how is it that nobody's talking about this guy the way that we're talking about Gretzky? And I said on the show, the Islanders dynasty of the 80s, you want to talk about one of the, I don't want to say unappreciated, but under-talked about dynasties in hockey. Because when it comes, especially here in Canada, where you have the 50s Canadians, the 70s Habs, the 80s Oilers, and then the late 90s Red Wings. Nobody talks about the Islanders. They're the only team that won four straight. So it's really a shame. But, you know, to hear something, especially a legend like Mike Bossy, that's just, again, that's another gut punch, especially if you're a longtime hockey fan. Yeah, I think with with Bossy, like, you know, you could probably make the comparison to, you know, he was that generation's, you know, I want to say dry saddle, but probably even better than, so maybe like a McKinnon or something, right. Where it's mm-hmm. like, he was so, he was so good. And I, yeah, I I've looked at his stats before um, in the past too. And I'm like, really? he was that good. Like he was, yeah, he was, yeah. One of the best of all time. So you're right. Winning, winning four straight. I mean, that's, that's insane. You could say that. Yeah. Yeah. You could say those, those teams are the best teams of all time. Um, and, you know, I think most people would say that some Habs, Habs teams are which you know I'm sure you could debate but yeah 
And I think there's something really interesting that as third line plugs has been going on and uh, we've been covering a lot of these hockey player deaths, it's made me realize that celebrity culture is a very young thing. So the dealing with celebrity deaths is all, is a really novel thing and we don't have a lot of experience with. So it's just interesting watching people react to the ultimate final phase of a celebrity life because it is a really novel thing. Like I think Michael Jackson's death was really the first one, but this is hockey going through it now. And when talking about the eighties Islanders and I've always maintained like they are the greatest hockey dynasty of all time with no, no disrespect to the Oilers, the Habs, any team. But I think what really puts the Islanders over everybody else was, and I don't know if you had seen the 30 for 30 special on John Spanos, the guy who quote unquote owned the New York Islanders in the mid nineties. And the director of the documentary talked about that dynasty. And they says like how the fifties Habs won five straight, but they only won two playoff series to win a Stanley cup. If that, if the Islanders had played in that, you're talking nine straight. Try topping that nine straight Stanley Cups if the Islanders have played in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fewer teams, all that. So, <laughs> yeah, way more impressive. So we're going to move away from talking about some sad stories and talk about some current or sometimes former NHLers. Current NHL free agent Ilya Kovachuk has been named GM of the 2022 Russian Olympic team. Former NHLers Sergei Gonchar, Evgeny Dabakov, Sergei Fedorov, and Alexei Kusarov will also join Kovachuk as they were named to Alexei Zhamnov's coaching staff. Man, you want to talk about some legends and memories being brought up when you hear guys like Jamna, Fedorov, Nabokov, Gonchar. It's just like, wow. Like, and these guys haven't, it's not like these guys recently retired, but they were in the NHL maybe 10 years ago at that. Ilya Kovalchuk technically even retired? No, he's still, he's an angel <laughs> free agent. And that's what everybody in the mm-hmm. comments is talking about. So, <laughs> yeah, Kovalchuk's such a weird player with just hopping, hopping in and out. He is. I don't know what to really make about this because honestly, is Ilya Kovachuk really a guy that you think of when you hear the word general manager? If I'm being no. honest. No. <laughs> he doesn't have that. I don't know. I, I can't even remember his uh, his name, but like the the world junior coach for, for Russia. Um, what's his face? Anyway, but he just looks like a Russian <laughs> coach. You know what I mean? Like he just has that, that's like that tough look. Like, I don't know. I don't know if Kovalchuk has that, that classic Russian, uh, <laughs> Russian uh, sort of mean look, I guess. But I wonder if you just get that by default when you turn 50 as a maybe, uh, Eastern European, maybe, you know, I'm it looking forward to that. <laughs> more, more intimidating looking, I guess. But yeah, a funny thing with the Bokov too is to in 2018, um, the team I coached for hockey, we went down to Phoenix for a tournament. And um, so we played against Sa- a San Jose team and Nabokov's kid was on that team. So uh, I just remember him standing in the corner and like, he was like, no one was near him. I'm just, I just remember him yelling a lot from the stands. I think, I don't think he was a goalie. I'm pretty sure he was a, a forward or something, but um, it was just kind of funny seeing him there. Yeah. And like I'm going to break kayfabe. Batherson hat trick. No, come on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't realize I, I didn't want to say anything. I didn't realize I was Batherson. Okay. Oh, Batherson wow. hat. That's worth 
breaking the record kayfabe. Batherson's okay. first career hat trick. Let's go. That's great. That is fantastic. So I guess the only thought I could really make about this is, again, I I don't know what I really make about Kovacek being named GM, if I'm being perfectly honest. Because I know in the past, you guys you had games like, or guys like Alexander McGillamy, I think Sergei Fedorov, I think was a GM of Team Russia at one time in the last couple of Olympics. So, you know, it's not a bad list of people to put together. And there's a lot of hockey knowledge there. So, hey, you know what? If this works out for Kovi, good for him. So now we're going to move away from a for, from a former NHLer to a future former NHLer, Evander Kane. This is a guy we've talked quite extensively over the years about him, and it's always about how he got himself in trouble. He seemed like he was redeeming himself. Yeah, he got himself in trouble again. San Jose Sharks forward Evander Kane was suspended 21 games for violating the NHL's COVID-19 protocols. The Sharks issued a statement stating they will not comment on Kane's status with the team following the suspension, while Kane issued a statement via the NHL PA. Yeah, he's going to, I'm sorry, he's going to end up in the KHL. There's no way he's coming back from this, especially with all the BS off the ice that you're now seeing with what's going on with the bankruptcy, being sued by ex-girlfriends, and now you got this. It's just like the NHL will only put up with so much and it's kind of like what you see with the NFL with some of these players that they're distractions off the field, but because of their talent, teams take chances on them. I think teams are just honestly running out of patience with him now. Like this is like, okay, what more can you, this guy really do? And we give him a chance to play. Yeah. And like when he was in Winnipeg, it was, I don't know. You, you'd hear a lot about his, his like quote unquote character and I don't know. A lot of it was unsubstantiated and like just the way that players of color are talked about in the league. I, I never really gave it much thought just because it's like, okay, well, you know, people talk poorly against PK Subban. So it's like, who knows like what's, what's real and not, and what's not, but you know, over the last year, couple of years, I think it's pretty clear like who Evander Kane is and it, he's not, he does not seem just like a good person. And I mean, this vaccine, fake vaccine card thing is a perfect example of that. Like, you're just not, if you're willing to go to that length, like, you're just not a good person. I'm sorry. And and then not even to mention the stuff about the accusations, um, as you said, Taylor, against uh, or from his his ex. I don't know if it was one of his exes or, or multiple of them. But um, I mean, that would probably be, if those were true, that would be the worst of them. Um, just how he how he's treated them in the past. Um, so you know, I don't want to obviously act as if they are. We don't know all the details, mm-hmm. but from what the accusations are, they sound pretty horrible. So, uh, well, like this guy's, yeah. he's got to go. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: you lost like a guy who's routinely a thirty goal scorer, and the most you can get out of your dressing room is a shrug, and the San Jose's best start in years. Yeah, that's yeah, fucking telling. And but you know what's also really telling about this whole thing with his faking the COVID vaccine cards. And look, I understand that the especially here in British Columbia with the passports and everything, there's so many opinions about it. We're not going to get into that, but the entire league at this point, there's maybe a handful of guys that aren't vaccinated. I think there's like Tyler Pertuzzi and Mackenzie Blackwood. But this is the point I always make. 
Anthony D'Angelo is vaccinated. This was a guy <laughs> yeah. who was a noted yeah. Trump supporter. COVID's not real. He probably was an anti-vaxxer at one time. This guy's vaccinated and he's not playing. I was that gonna, says I, a lot right there. I'm going to defend Mackenzie Blackwood. His doctor said he should do it based on previous reactions to vaccines. Blackwood gets a pass. Okay. Okay. I didn't actually know about that. But yeah, Tyler Pertuzzi, that whole thing that he go out with, I'm just like, all right. I guess your fans up here in Canada will be really disappointed when the Red Wings come to town and you're not going to be playing. But I think he's losing 450000 or something uh, from those games. So that's a <laughs> lot of fucking money. It's a lot of money. Like yeah. if I was getting paid $450,000 to get a shot, I'd do it. Yeah. Oh, totally. I would, I'd get three of them if that was the case, but yeah, just put it right in my veins. Yeah. <laughs> Vancouver Canucks have suspended defenseman Travis Hamanick without pay per information received by cap friendly. Hamanick did not report to NHL training camp and Canucks or the Canucks AHL affiliate and also chose not to opt out of the season prior to the COVID-19 opt out deadline. You know what really shocked me about this story, guys? This is information that we are getting from cap friendly, <laughs> not from the NHL, not from the NHL PA, not from Elliot Friedman. Cap friendly is giving us this information. Cap friendly is my go to source for NHL information. I don't know what you're talking about. Complete <laughs> hockey online and Instagram is perfect, but I don't know about this. And I haven't read any information on why he didn't go to training camp, why he hasn't reported to the year AHL affiliate. There just hasn't been any information that's come out about it. It could be what we're seeing with Carey Price, where it's a mental health issue. It could just be something going on that we just don't know, right? So, But the fact is there's so little information about this out right now. For me, it's hard to comment on, to be honest with you. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we we have no idea. It's really weird. It's been very quiet on that. I'm I'm sure people on the team know what's up, and but I don't know. Like even even being here in Vancouver, I haven't really heard many people talk about it or like talk specifics about it or or even what they they think it is. So um, yeah, yeah, one of the weirder stories. The only thing I can see on Google News is from an old CBC article that just says personal issue. Yeah, I think it's a family thing, but that's just, I mean, that could be anything. Yeah, exactly. It's so, it's weird because like so many NHL players go right under the the microscope and you would think in Hockey Crazy Vancouver, a guy who was slotted to go be your second defenseman, your second line defenseman just is out. That would garner more attention. It's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what? And a perfect example of, especially in that hockey, in a hockey crazy city like Vancouver, when you heard stuff about, say, Jake Furtan in the last couple of years, when Shane O'Brien was with the Canucks, you heard some of this stuff off about him off the ice. But you're right. There just was nothing about Hamanek off the ice, and you didn't hear anything about it. If it's a personal issue, if it's a family issue, then, you know, you need to respect that. That's the way I always view it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Sticking with suspensions, St. Louis Blues forward Pavel Buchnevich was suspended two games without pay for headbutting Arizona Coyotes forward Lawson Kraus. Buchnevich has recorded one goal, one assist for two points in two games for St. Louis. 
at the time of this story. So you know what's funny? Where I mentioned soccer earlier, <laughs> I saw the clip. <laughs> Do you guys remember Zinedine Zidane in 2006 when he headbutted the guy for yes. Italy? <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I thought when I saw this. I was like, <laughs> that's crazy. You never see stuff like that. You never see a headbutt in the NHL. You know what? It is definitely suspension worthy. I'm here for this shit. More weird violence in the NHL, please. You heard for maximum carnage, man. I need to see it. I've, I haven't actually seen, seen a clip, but yeah, weird. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, that's a, just such a weird instant reaction to headbutt. Like, I've never thought to do that in my life. <laughs> I know. But then again, in the last couple of years that you see, well, especially with what Brad Marchand did, where he was looking <laughs> that guy. That's probably the weirdest thing ever, but headbutting somebody in hockey and the clip, honestly, was Buchnevich and Kraus just kind of grabbed onto each other. Like they're skating away from a scrum and he just went, just kind of give him a headbutt and he's holding on. That was pretty much the clip and the refs got involved. But yeah, it was suspendable and I can't defend it. So we're going to move along and talking about some fines. Florida Panthers forward Joe Thornton was fined $1,875, the maximum allowable under the CBA for slashing Tampa Bay Lightning forward Boris Kachakmiok. Is it me or when Joe Thornton retires, the Florida Panthers is going to be that one team that you're going to forget that he played for? (laughs) I mean, you might forget he even played for the Leafs. Yeah. Well, it's like, to be fair, it's like both Toronto and uh, Florida are starting to get this reputation as the retirement home for good NHL players. Because you've got, like, you had, like, Anton Strawman, and why am I blanking on the other? Didn't Mar- no, Marlo didn't go through uh, Florida, but Yager did. So it's a lot of those guys who, Luongo is the biggest example. Like, think of just guys coming to Florida and finishing off their career there. Uh I guess Craig Anderson ends up there next. Right. Well, Brian Campbell finishes career there. Yeah, too. Joe Van as well. Yeah. No, I think... See, Craig Anderson's different because Anderson decided to not retire in Florida. He retired to... Decided possibly to retire in the sunny metropolis of Buffalo. So, which, by the way, I am shocked how well he's doing right now in Buffalo. If you were to tell me at the beginning of the season... The Buffalo Sabres would be 4-0 and Craig Anderson would be one of the big reasons behind it. I would say if this was 10 years ago, I would believe that, yes, but definitely not now. There's no way. Like Andy, when he played for the, in the last couple of years in Ottawa, you were watching him and we were like, oh, good Lord, I don't know how much is more this guy's got left, but then he goes to Buffalo and starts 4-0. So. Good, good for him. him. Yeah. I hope he gets traded to a contender or something for – as a third string goalie or something. Are, are you sure that uh, Buffalo isn't the contender this year? Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, look, not everybody can be good like Buffalo guys. Like that's just the moral <laughs> of the story here. Yeah. <laughs> like this is honestly upside down year for the NHL, at least at the start. <laughs> like Buffalo's up five, one on uh, the freaking lightning right now. Sheesh. Sorry. They beat the lightning five, one. Wow. <laughs> good Lord. So we're going to close out top of the hour the way that we always do by talking about an Ottawa Senator story. Dallas Stars for Radic Fasca has been fined $5,000, the maximum allowable under the CBA for slashing Ottawa Senators forward, Tim Stutzla. 
So I, I don't know if you guys really want to comment about this because I know that we're going to talk about the star sh- sends game to start off the games, but this is one that I'm not shocked. He got fined to be honest. It was a pretty hard slash. I mean, yeah. I can't, he didn't even get called for, or did he? I don't, I don't think so. No, yeah, I, don't, I think, I don't, uh, remember, I think on the play, somebody got called, I think for holding. And I think when the penalty got called, I thought that was what it was for, but yeah, yeah I don't recall if anybody got called. Yeah. For it was a pretty dangerous one. Like just very kind of, you know, like axe motion. And when you're gripping your stick tight, like Stutzler was, um, it's, it's pretty dangerous. Like could have yeah. easily broken his wrist, honestly. Yeah. And yeah, I think we'll definitely get into it when we talk about the game, but that was a game where uh, there was other stuff that uh, probably should have been at least a fine that happened. So guys, I guess that wraps up top of the hour for this episode, which can mean only one thing. It's time to talk about the games. Now we got three games to talk about. We've got the stars versus the senators sharks versus the senators and the Rangers versus the senators. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> All right, guys, let's start talking about the Stars versus the Senators. This is a three to two Senators victory. Stars goals were scored by Michael Raffle and Joe Pavelski. Sens goals were scored by Chris Tierney with two and Nick Paul. Shot for 34-27 for Dallas. Ottawa outplayed Dallas for majority of this game. The game started off aggressive with a fight between Jamie Benn and Josh Brown happening. As the game went on, Ottawa would control the play offensively, getting a number of shots and scoring chances. Dallas kicked it into high gear as Ottawa took their foot off the gas in the third period, but the Senators would still secure the W. So one of the first guys I want to talk about here, guys, Philip Gustafson, 32 saves, a .941 save percentage. One of the things that really impressed me about him is how poised this guy looked in the net, especially when you watch the games last year where, as I've commented, especially when we played Edmonton where they would go up 3-0 on two shots, it's so refreshing to see the goaltendering being so poised. And not just one of them, but all three of them have been looking fantastic. Yeah, and like like you said, I mean, last year was just so it'd be like five minutes in and it'd be two, two to three nothing or something. And you know, you can't even can't even win after uh after you know being down so early. And yeah, Gustafson, I don't know, it's it's crazy. I mean, he hasn't had the most amazing AHL career, but I mean he does have the pedigree and he's he's just looked so much better in the NHL and um you know, with Murray out for a little bit, which we'll get into later. Um, he, he'll be playing quite a bit this this season and Murray isn't obviously the most durable guy. So I could see Gustafson, you know, playing 20 plus games if, if he's the best goalie that they have. Yeah. And one thing I think that definitely helped the senders in this game is uh, at least for the first two periods, uh, you got full team defense out of the Senators and they completely smothered Dallas. Uh, and that kind of persisted throughout the game where Dallas really didn't have anything going. And Ottawa got three goals on two and a half expected goals. Dallas got their expected two. If you're playing like that, you're going to win hockey games straight up. Now, when talking about their 
players on the Sens. And, you know, I'm looking at my notes right now here, guys, and I have a number of guys I want to talk about. Let's start off with a guy who I was definitely a fan favorite in the last couple of years he's been in Ottawa. And he, I don't think he would get as much credit as I think he does, especially look at the score sheet. Connor Brown, three assists and one shot. And for myself, it's games like this that you really come to appreciate Connor Brown because there's nothing flashy about him. He just goes out and gets the job done. And this game was a perfect example of that. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just one of those players that kind of does everything well and very dependable. And you can see why Smith wants to play him a lot. And um, yeah, like I'm, I'm glad they have him. It seems like he's really taken it up a notch since coming to Ottawa. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the three assists, um, you know, since then he's he's continued to look solid as well. So it's uh, it's easy to be happy with his play. Absolutely. And, you know, Connor was one of those guys that when he was traded to Ottawa in the Nikita Zaitsev and CC trade, a lot of Leaf fans were commenting how they were so upset that they lost Connor Brown in this and how is it Toronto lost him. And I remember Tim and I were saying on the show, like, how – good really is this guy because we didn't really know anything about him we only saw him if he played for a plate against ottawa and then he comes to town and i think he came into ottawa with really little expectation because the fans really didn't know much about him he comes in he looks fantastic and he's just consistently been good and honestly and i said i think the year a couple years ago i said outside of the chuck and shabbat like i thought connor brown was our best forward that says a lot when you have a gut team that had some some pretty good players on it. You know, Batherson was coming up and these guys were coming up. And then Connor Brown, of all people, really, really impressed. Yeah, and I mean, it's – especially a couple of years ago, who else would you have said <laughs> was up there with Kachaka yeah. and, and Shabbat? So, um, yeah, kudo, kudos to him for another solid start. Um, is, and uh, – Probably won't be get be getting thirty goals like he was on pace for last season, but should still be another solid season for him. And I think even if he gets like twenty goals, a good number of assists as a stabilizing presence, it's a, a good top nine player as yep. the cost of taking on Nikita Zaitsev and getting rid of Cody Cece. So we like that. Mm-hmm. Now another guy who I honestly would have never thought would be as good as he is so far with the Sens this season. Chris Tierney, two goals on three shots. I'm just going to openly say it right now, guys. How many more of his goals this season will come from shots that hit him and go in? If we're being <laughs> honest. I mean, luck is being in the right place at the right time, right? Yeah, like this is, uh, I don't know. I, I did think it's pretty funny just having people talking about like, Tierney looking better and it's like okay well if the shots didn't hit him I don't know if people are saying those same things but uh sure take what you can get yeah pretty much although at least at least to Tierney's credit he is looking bet he's looking better on five on five but that's that's graded on a curve exactly like he's an NHLer this year yeah, that perfectly places it right now. And it's a perfect segue to another guy who I never thought would have been an NHLer. And this is something I never, ever thought I would ever say. Michael Delzato actually didn't look bad as the game went on. 
Who would have thought that those words would be coming from my mouth in this game? Because I agree with Tim, because Tim and I talked about this when the game was going on. He looked brutal in this game to start it off. But then he, as the game went on, he didn't look too bad and got two shots. Yeah, he definitely turned that one around. Uh, was on the right side of the puck for most of the game and after that awful first period. So kudos to him. Yeah, I can't say I remember specifically too much what what he was uh, looking like that game. I mean, overall, um, I'm sure my thoughts would be a bit different on him. But yeah, if he, you know, even everyone's going to have these good games. So good for him. Yeah, if he, if he looked solid by the end. Now, one guy who looked really solid throughout this game, and he's a part of what DJ Smith calls the identity line, Nick Paul. One goal on six shots. I got to say in this game, Paul Pinto Brown, I honestly thought was the best line in this game, even better than Norris and Bath. Who would have thought that? Again, who would have thought those were to be coming from my mouth that, you know, you've got Stutzla, Josh Norris, and Batherson, and yet these three guys would be the best line in this game. Turned into this tight checking game and, that's what those guys do really well. And Shane Pinto has been a revelation. Which is too bad, which is we'll get into later. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, he looked really solid on that second line, despite, I don't know if he had a, an assist or not, but he, I mean, he hadn't scored, but um, like overall, he had looked pretty solid and, and pretty physically ready the first few games he played. Although he he damn near got injured on a lot. He won a face off and Jamie Ben just decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drill you into the ice. <laughs> like that is a play that should have been a penalty and a fine at the very least. Cause that's how people get hurt. That put Dylan Larkin out last year. Like if we're talking about getting cross checks out of this league, that's the type of play we have to get rid of. Oh yeah. Pretty dirty. So there's two things I do want to talk about before we segue into the next game. And it's two things that I don't think any one of us would have caught. Now, one of them has to do with Parker Kelly. Now, even though he only had one shot in this game, did any of you guys catch him jumping over the boards and injuring the ref? I did not. I did not. <laughs> so apparently some TSN caught this on camera I guess he was jumping over the boards on one of the shifts and you know how the ref and Trevor would know playing hockey. The ref was sitting on the boards with both of his hands yeah. on there and the skate came Ooh. up and cut his pinky no. and cut the side of his hand as he's jumping over the boards and he went off. You could see him holding his hand. I was like, Oh, ouch. Like, you know what? I'm sure NHL ref get paid good money, but that I can't even imagine this. That makes me cringe just thinking about that. Like just getting a skate blade to the freaking hand. I'm always surprised NHL refs don't wear like a light glove. Not a hockey glove, but like something light just to reduce the chance of getting a, a freak injury like that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, in general, they don't have a, a ton of padding. They have some, but yeah. Yeah. But honestly, that would be like, you know, like the guy in between the benches. That would be like having like a stanchion or something in there. So they don't get hit. And, you know, we talk about Jamie McLennan when he got, when Mark Borieski concussed him a few years ago when he went for a hit and the stick cracked him over the head. Actually, speaking about noodles, and that's probably the perfect way to say it was, 
something that happened prior to the game. TSN, I don't know if they played this during the game. I know they played it on uh, Sports Center afterwards. Jamie McLennan almost bailed on the ice. Right in between getting in between the benches, you can see him walking, walking. The Zambodis drove by that one strip of ice that's perfectly clean. He yeah. slipped on that and he almost bailed on the ice. Oh, wow. I definitely did not see that either. No, I don't even think they made any mention of it too in the, in the broadcast. So, no, they're so, usually pretty quick to shit on each other on TSN. Right. I know. And it's so cool. Like, again, I, I think Jamie does a great job for TSN. Gord Miller, I think, does a really good job. I don't know what you guys think of the new guy they had. I think it was versus Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. That first game of the season, they had a new guy for TSN. Yeah. <clears throat> I forget his name, but. Yeah. yeah. That's something we, I should have mentioned that last week, but I was just thinking about it now. But honestly, there's not much I can mention that, right? So. Yeah. So I don't have any more comments on this game. If you guys want to head on to the second game of the evening. Yeah, let's get her. Sharks versus Senators. This is a two to one Sharks victory. Sharks goals were scored by Logan Couture and Kevin LeBlanc. Sens goals were scored by Drake Batherson. Sharks were 31-24 for Ottawa. A somewhat even game overall. Both teams came out flying and playing physical. San Jose led in the shot department early on and were able to capitalize on their chances while Ottawa outshot and got a number of great chances. However, couldn't bury them, which helped San Jose secure the W. So before we talk about anybody, (laughs) anybody in this game, Brady to Chuck, first game back, one assist and three shots, This guy, talk about a guy wasn't in training camp, didn't play in the preseason, first game back, does not even miss a beat. Yeah, well, he got robbed right up in on uh, Aiden Hill there. Sorry, no, on uh, James Reimer two times. And here's the, that's the big thing about this game is Reimer stole the game because Ottawa drilled that net for 60 minutes. And only got one goal for it. Yeah, which is, I mean, I, I, I can't say I watched too much of the game, unfortunately. I wasn't able to. But, I mean, yeah, every time I was able to pop in, is frustrating to see that they, you know, only had that, that one goal. And, yeah, I mean, that's one of those games where you just hope that you have another goal scorer on your roster. But as to the Brady point, um, yeah, it was weird. It almost felt like a home opener that night, just, you know, the first Brady game. It's true. And I want to get your guys' thought on this because I know there was some talk on Twitter that the Sens were going to name Brady to Chuck captain that night with Eric Carlson in the building. What was you guys' honest thoughts on that? Because I know a lot of people said, like, oh, no, that would be not tasteless, but there would be something kind of unspokenly not great about that. It kind of seems like it would be terrible. I honestly felt it would have been a great passing of the torch going from Carlson to Chuck, but, you know, it didn't happen. What was your guys' thoughts on just the reaction? I know Tim's not really on Twitter, but the reaction from Sen's Twitter regarding the possibility that Brady was going to be named captain in this game. I think it would have, would have been pretty cool. I mean, I, I, was, I wasn't even thinking of the aspect of Carlson in that, in that sort of idea. I think, like, I think it would just would have been cool to name him captain in his first game back like I think just introducing him like 
And, you know, number seven, your captain, Brady Kachuk. And I think that would have been pretty interesting. Uh, I don't think he would have had to include Carlson in it. I mean, it would have been interesting, would have been nothing to write about for sure. But yeah, I don't think Eric would have been too interested in participating in that. I don't know. It, I'm sure he has a bit of a salty taste in his mouth from from his, at least his departure from Ottawa. So mm-hmm. um, maybe, maybe if it was like a, I don't know, just if he had ended his career here differently, maybe that's something they would have done. Yeah. But I know even people on Twitter were saying like, Oh, they, they shouldn't name him captain when Eric's here. And I know, I think it's not this coming week, but next week, Mark Stone and the Vegas Golden Knights are going to be in Ottawa. People say, well, right. they should do it. <laughs> Mark Stone's here because he should have been the captain and whatever, all that BS. So honestly, I think it would have been cool. Brady's going to be named captain eventually. I think that's always been the thought I've had. And yeah. I agree with Mark Mathot. He said on the Wally Mathot show, he says, if Brady wasn't already going to be their captain, they would have given it to Thomas Shabbat already. And I totally agree with him on that. I sure hope so, because that's going to be that would be incredibly awkward if, if that wasn't the case. Now, speaking of Thomas Shabbat, let's talk about him. Five shots in this game, and he is somebody who, coming into this year, the one thing I know about him last year is that you saw a guy who was very hesitant to carry the puck down ice. You always saw that. Anytime he touched the puck, he didn't look super confident with the puck. He kind of just looked like a guy who... He was looking around. He's like, okay, who do I have to give this puck to? Not the way that I see him in these games where he just gets the puck. And he just takes off. He's like, he was like Eric. Eric was the exact same way. Eric got the puck. He just took off down ice. Shabbat's like this, this season. And it's so refreshing to see. And I know that we haven't mentioned him yet. So what has been your guys' thoughts on Thomas Shabbat so far early in the season? You know what? I haven't really noticed him that much, but like in a good way. I mean, just, I mean, we're not going to be talking about um, their most recent game just happening right now, but um, you know, he, he did make a few, a few pretty nice angles and, and mm-hmm. he's had a few of those in other games as well. So um, like offensively, I have no issues with, with his play. And, and yeah, like I said, I haven't noticed him too much defensively, but then again, I mean, I don't know. It's not as if I'm watching every game with, with a scout's eye. I think if I was actually there and, and, you know, paying really close attention to each guy. Maybe I'd have slightly different thoughts on that, but um, I can't really complain too much about his game so far. Just, you know, because you're going to have to expect a few mistakes here and there. Like he's not known for his defensive side. It's his offense that is um, elite or close to elite. I think the one thing about Shabbat this year is that his defensive game has, it's been leaps and bounds better and I think part of that is having a competent partner. So it's a lot yes. better to he he's he seems way more comfortable taking risks to to pinch, to strip, to move when he knows that if he fucks up, he doesn't have to haul his ass the whole way back to bail out Zaitsev. Well, it's funny, even talking about Shabbat, and I think the reason why I wanted to ask is because again, like I was saying last year, he seemed very hesitant, but on the defensive side of the puck the one thing that I always notice is that he always looked like he was trying to do too much. He always, and you're absolutely right. Having a competent partner, like an Artem Zub really helps him. And for me, the really, the only big defensive gap that he's had this season was in 
the home opener versus Toronto on the game winning goal. That's the one that I really noticeable to me. But Thomas Shabbat, the one thing I really want Shabbat to start doing is shoot. He's always looking to pass it on the power play. When you see them in the offensive zone and they're on a five on four, you see Shabbat. The second he gets the puck, he's looking either to his right or his left. Who can I get a shot off of? And that's where I noticed with Branstrom last year was that Branstrom, if he gets the puck, he's taking a shot. And I wish Shabbat would do that because the guy's got a rocket of a shot. And I know that his game is unlike Eric, where his game is more on scoring his more and more playmaking. I wish he would shoot the puck more because I think the guy could pot some beautiful goals, especially on the power play with that shot. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't even know, like, I'm just going to look up now what his, his goal totals have been like. Um, I mean, there's that one year Carlson had, I don't know if he ever got 20, but he was at least close. I think he, I did, mean, it. Which, I think he did it. Did he? Yeah. Like, because yeah. he had he did it once. I know he did season, it once, right? but Right. Yeah, he did it once for sure. I think 20, it, yeah, 20 goals, 62 assists, I think. I think that, I don't know. Yeah, 82, 82, sounds, and still did yeah. win Norris. Yeah. So then, and then Shabbat has, I mean, he had 14 in, in uh, 18, 19. That was his best year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, potentially one of these years he gets 20, uh, you know, maybe maybe in a year or two when, when the team is looking a bit better. But, yeah, I think couldn't hurt to shoot more. I mean, he's... Yeah, it's not as if he has a bad shot. No, but even the one thing I noticed when he goes down the ice, he'll dangle around. That's the only time he shoots on the power play. He doesn't take it, get a shot off, and it's either because there's somebody in front or he's looking to pass. But honestly, that's just my big gripe with him this season. I wish he would shoot some more. Now, a guy who has no problem shooting the puck, Tim Stutzla, four okay. shots in this game. The guy, he looked good. He looked really good from what I saw. Now, keep in mind, I only saw the first period of this game. I had to condense watch the rest. He looked pretty good in that first period, and especially when we talk about the Rangers game. You want to talk about a kid that people were very much on, which Thomas Shabbat are we really going to get this season? And I'm glad to see that we got the highly motivated, highly offensive, even though he hasn't scored yet, superstar in the making that we've got from last season. I can't believe he doesn't have a goal yet. <laughs> like it's, it's quite surprising. And uh, you know, just from the tweets we've seen um, on Twitter, it's, you would think that he has like 10 points by now, just because everyone's gushing about him and, and rightfully so just because he looks so dangerous all the time. So points will come. Um, it's yeah. It's just a matter of, of, better luck, better timing. Um, but in terms of skill, we, we haven't seen a guy this skilled on Ottawa since Spezza, I guess. Um, and maybe even before that, maybe, like maybe even you could say Stritzel's maybe not better overall, but maybe like more skilled, but it's, it's quite fun to watch. And what's really interesting is there was a lot of expectations management being done on since Twitter and I'm not sure if it was the organization, but definitely the media was saying, well, maybe Stutzla's not gonna be this incredible player. Stutzel has come out like he's still going to be an excellent, excellent player, but don't think he's like the second coming all-star. Fuck that. Mary and Hosa are bust. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, you know what? I honestly would like to see either Sense Charts or Micah Blake McCurdy. I want to see them do a shots per 60 chart of how many shots missed the net. 
Because that's the one thing I've really noticed of the Sens is that they get a lot of shots, but they don't hit the net at all. Either hits the, it goes over the net or hits a player in front or something happens. I would like to see how many of these shots, Ottawa must be leading. They must be, if they're not leading, they must be very high up because there's a lot of those shots where you look at guys like Josh Norris, like Stutzla. I was going to say Batherson, but Batherson's actually the only guy putting it in the net right now, but you see guys like that who getting a lot of shots off and yet they're not able to bury them. And it's a shame, especially Stutzla. Like some of those shots, you just watch him and you're just like, that's going in. And it doesn't happen. So Taylor, I'm going to look it up right now. So um, it's a live search. So they're 11th right now in shot or shot attempts per 60. So 57.23, they're 11th in the league. Um, and then in terms of actual shots on net per 60, okay. they are 19. So there's a bit of, bit of, um, there's a gap there. There's yeah. a gap. So yeah, I, I mean, they dropped from 11th to 19th in that, like theoretically they should be in the same, on the same spot there. So there's some, um, truth to your theory there. Yeah. And, and again, like even talking about last week, I was just like, how many of these shots should be going in and they're just not bearing them. But I'm glad that you brought that up, Trevor. So I appreciate that. Now, the other guy that we should talk about, the only guy for the Sens to score, Drake Batherson, one goal on two shots. What a goal. Oh God, what a goal that was. God, that was so nice. I'm not even going to lie. Yeah. Not too much else to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, what can you say, that. really? It was just such a nice goal. The San Jose game is such a weird one because it's like Ottawa played so damn hard. And, well, the Pinto injury, it wasn't even a backbreaker for them because they, they came out, came hard, and James Reimer had everything, but the, including the sink thrown at him, and he stood tall. So, boys, I don't have any more comments to make on this game. If you want to head off into the third and final game of the evening. Sounds good. Yeah. Rangers versus Senators. This is a three to two refs. Sorry, Rangers victory. <laughs> Rangers goals were scored by Chris Kreider, Ryan Lindgren, and Barkley Goudreau. Senators goals were scored by Nick Paul and Josh Norris. Shots were 28-26 for Ottawa. Ottawa outplayed New York throughout this game. Ottawa came out of the gate playing physical and creating scoring chances, which they sustained throughout the game. The Rangers looked kind of flat for most of the games, but would end up getting the W thanks to some BS calls by the refs. Okay. You know what? Let's talk about this right now. Now, this whole episode, I've avoided cursing. Oh, boy. Here we go. What the fuck was that? That how was that call on Tim Stutzla embellishment? How how is it you have a guy with a stick between his legs, he gets tripped up and he gets called for embellishment? How? Explain to me in layman's terms how exactly that is embellishment. If you want to call an embellishment call, and I said this to Tim before we hit record, if you want to call him for embellishment, the play on, I think it's Keandre Miller. I apologize if I'm not sure of the name. For the Rangers. That first period where he trips Stutzel and Stutzel does like a full on face first dive into the ice. You want to call that for embellishment? Absolutely. I could accept that. The call in the third period was not embellishment. That's a full on trip. It's game fucking management. And yeah, 
it's that's not acceptable. Tim Peel got the can because he said the quiet part out loud. And if there, there's no fucking accountability for these refs. Like, how the fuck was Chris Kreider not given any discipline between at the end of the game either for that brutal, brutal hit on Josh Norris? That was number cross-check to numbers directly face first into the boards. That should be a fucking suspension. Well, here's a here's another one. What about Chris Drieger on Murray? How was that not a penalty? The guy injured him. He got pushed in, to be fair. Oh, fair. You know, I'm just realizing, I think this is the only time Trevor's ever seen me somewhat upset. Or in the <laughs> Honestly, but no, I mean, I share a lot of that sentiment. I mean, it that, that was a win. They had that win. You know, without that call, I really don't think they, I don't, really don't think the Rangers come back. And still, you still have to defend that power play and you still have to continue to play after that, that second goal. I mean, it's, it's still, it's still a poor ending. Like that last 10 minutes, they did not play well at all. So like you, they still need to play a lot better with a lead, but yeah, I, I really hate embellishment calls. Like, yes, there definitely are going to be times when it's embellishment, but not when a stick is getting in in your, in your body like that. Like it's not, I don't know. I, I feel like people underestimate how easy it could be to fall during an NHL game. Like just from like, sometimes it just takes slight contact. Sometimes you just, yeah. you just, you know, get the wrong edge or something. You fall down. Like, even if you're really strong, um, it's, it's just super annoying that like, and I, I think there's like a bit of profiling here too, where it's like, Oh, is this like European guy is, is like going for a dive or whatever. I just feel like certain guys have reputations and I think Stutzel's getting one as, as a, as a diver, which sort of Carlson got earlier on in, in his career as well. And it's, it's just really annoying. Like, well, I'm yeah. going to take that one step further. I think it's just good players get that reputation because McDavid doesn't yeah, get yeah. the calls that half the calls he should get. Absolutely, and he's making yeah. these fucking plugs like straight up fucking plugs look like the shit fuck players they are and they're getting punished for it because they're good. Like straight up the NHL should be protecting their stars. Call this shit. I don't want to see a bunch of sludge with people throwing sticks and putting cross checks to numbers, put some goddamn effort in. Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, I I tweeted about that as well. It's like, it's, I don't want to see these fourth liners rewarded. I don't actually know who, you know, who stick that was on, you know, it could have been one of the better players. I have no idea, but, um, but the point is like, I don't, I don't want to see these players that are less skilled take advantage of players who are more skilled. And, you know, you're essentially rewarding these guys for not being able to keep up. Um, yeah. So it's frustrating. Well, I think it was really frustrating about Stutzla and, when we watched him last year, I've never, I don't want to say I've never seen a guy, but it's when it comes to players in the sins, it's so rare to see a guy who's gotten so many missed calls against him than Tim Stutzla, especially watching any game against Montreal last year when Romanoff or Petrie or some of these guys are hitting him from behind or cross checking him in the face mm-hmm. or blatantly tripping him and it should have been a call. The attention he gets, and I, I get it, the kid's a 19-year-old wizard out there with the puck. He's a great player. He's going to be a great player for a long time. But again, it's sad that he's going to get this reputation of being a diver, of being a guy who embellishes calls when there's certain calls that 
are not embellishment. They're blatant penalties and they're not being called. Like I said, that call in the first period, I think it was like, like 10 or 11 seconds left in the period when he full on gets tripped. Okay. That's it. That would be an embellishment. And I'm a sense fan. I try to be very unbiased that right there. That's an embellishment call hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's just about consistency. Yeah. Which is a shame that we are talking so much about this because Tim Stutzla, what a game this kid had. He had one assist and, you know, and I, a lot of people were saying that Matt Murray was the best player in this game. Honestly, Tim Stutzla is pretty close in this game. I've, this is probably one of the, I don't want to go on record and say it was one of the best games I've seen him play, but it's one of those games that you watch him. If he had scored, if he had got at least one goal in that game, I would be sitting here going, yes, this is Tim Stutzla's game right here. This was the best game. One of the best games he's played. Well, you noticed him as soon as he stepped on the ice and he was eating the Rangers for lunch. And it's, and the weird thing is, it's like, he's getting these brilliant chances and it's not even him missing. It's like Georgiev was in the zone on whenever Stutzla was just throwing pucks at him. And it's, it was unfortunate. It happens. Yeah. Georgiev had a great game too versus the Senators. Like I will not sit here and dispute that, but it's a shame. It's a shame that Ottawa didn't get the victory. Now, there is a few other guys I do want to talk about. Now, the one guy who did score this game, and we talked about this earlier, Josh Norris. One goal on five shots. He and Batherson, God, those guys looked good. They look so good in this game. And I'm so happy that Josh Norris scored because he's one of those guys that there's such a likability about this kid off the ice. And it really translates to his game on the ice where the fans really get behind him, right? It's one of these guys that, Especially, like I said, he's such a likable guy off the ice. People who have met him say he's such a great guy. And I'm glad that he finally got a goal in this game. Yeah, I mean, he <clears throat> obviously wasn't the most the prettiest goal, but he'll take it. And, um, yeah, I think I think he could look a bit better. I think he's been fine. But, uh, yeah, obviously he had those five shots in that game. And um, I think, again, another instance – another instance of a guy where the points will come and um, yeah, I'll take anything I can get for him on the, on the score sheet. So uh, yeah, when he scored that goal, it kind of, I mean, there was, there was still a lot of time left, but it kind of seemed like the game was going to be over. Yeah. Especially because New York didn't get anything rolling until that Kreider goal. It's yeah, true. definitely. And it's amazing. Eh? Even with the amount of firepower the Rangers have, whether it be Zibanejad, Panarin, guys like that, didn't generate a lot of offense. Now, the one point I do want to make about Artemi Panarin, I think he's getting paid 11 million, 11 and a half million. Yep. If you watch the Josh Norris goal, very rare have I ever seen a guy who flat out gave up on a play than Artemi Panarin. As soon as Norris took off, he just, just kind of just glided. He just <laughs> stopped skating. He stopped moving. And it's like, I understand the Rangers are paying you $11 million to score goals. The least you can do is try and back check. Just try a little. I know. I mean, the most egregious thing I ever saw, and I think it was uh, kind of Andre or Sergei Konstitsin, when the other team went on a full-on breakaway and he went back to the bench and the team's screaming, like, get back out there and back check. He's like, no, I'm done. 
<laughs> I'm going back to Russia. Screw this. <laughs> so another guy I do want to talk about, and we talked about earlier because he got injured, was Matt Murray. 22 saves, a .957 save percentage. This guy looked fantastic in this game right up until he got injured. And he was a guy coming into this year. He was very much on the bubble of this could be a make or break year for Murray in Ottawa because he had such a brutal season last year. He finished strong like the rest of the team did. But when you saw how the guy played last year, you're just thinking, was this investment really a bust? And this was a year that he could write that wrong. And he really proved like, Hey, he played very well. And it's a shame that he got hurt in this game. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that's the thing. Like it's, you know, he's had so many, so many of these injury problems and like, like obviously a lot of, a lot of the things it's not his fault, especially the, you know, getting sick, um, you know, in those, in those two games, um, you know, he had a nine thirty six save percentage. He only allowed three goals um on 47 shots so tiny tiny sample but like you know in under two two games he was looking much better and and he ended the season on a on a decent note I think it was like the last five games or so so yeah I mean a neck injury isn't great and you know you can hope hopefully you can come back in the next few weeks at least because if it's longer than that I I don't know if we can really trust his durability um you know, he's got three years left on this contract and I just don't know how much we can really trust him. Well, it's like Matt Murray's reminding me a lot of Pascal Leclerc right now. Mm. Fantastic goaltender. <laughs> Never healthy. I mean, I didn't even dispute that first part. I mean, he was, he was pretty bad for Ottawa. Like he had, I think he had like one or two good seasons in Columbus. Very up and down guy. He almost, <laughs> well, the weird thing is like, once he started coming back, it, he actually settled in and almost cleaned up Brock like uh that that series against in 2010 against the Penguins after Brian Murray had that sorry Brian Murray Brian Elliott had that awful start Pascal Leclerc comes in and just gives Ottawa a chance yeah true like yeah I think uh, Pascal Leclerc when he finally got a rhythm going he was very good he just never got a goddamn rhythm going yeah (laughs) now I'm trying to remember who I can't remember who it was on Twitter somebody was mentioning about which sends goalies more often injured, Matt Murray or Pascal Leclerc? And my response was, I said, it's simple. It's which goalie gets injured in dodgeball. Nothing. <laughs> God, that's such a freak injury too, eh? Getting hurt by a dodgeball of all things. <laughs> I think I remember he got hit by a puck on the bench and he got injured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, probably the most fragile guy on ice. One thing I definitely noticed this game is uh, – and this has been a issue for the Sens. Outside of Shabbat, Shabbat, Zubin, Holden, not an NHL defense. Mete and Brown yeah. looked bad. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of holes, like, especially on the right side. Um, I, I just, uh, I mean, we're not talking about tonight's game well, you guys will recap that later but just quickly wanted to mention brown was not on the ice tonight for a single shot uh shot attempt so <laughs> which is uh, josh brown I should, I should say yeah that's quite impressive uh in the bad direction like, i don't even know how you do that yeah it's so true so 
do you guys have any more comments you want to make on this game before we head off into the close for another evening? Uh, you can tell that the coach in this game was not a fan of his bottom line with the exception <laughs> of Formanton with Logan, Ke- sorry, yeah, Parker Kelly and Logan Shaw getting nine minutes apiece. And uh, I think proof's in the pudding because after the New York Rangers game, Ottawa transferred, Ottawa trades the seventh to San Jose for Gramble. Yeah, which is definitely we're going to be talking about next week on Top of the Air. And it was a story that just sort of popped up. It was one of those things where there was no real announcement from the team. It just sort of popped up on Twitter. It's like, okay, it's a trade that happened. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, sorry. There is one comment I do want to make on this game. So Trevor may not know this, but I know that you know this, Tim. I like wrestling. Yes. I make no bones about that. I wore a Kenny Omega shirt when doing the episode last week, and you instantly noticed that it said Omega in Japanese. I got to give a shout out to Sens DJ Alex Marchand because there was two fights in this game, one with Brady to Chuck and the other with Nick Paul. Now, most people would say, okay, they used music during the fights. I noticed Stone Cold Steve Austin's theme for Brady. And this shocked me. This came out of nowhere. The Hardy Boys for Nick Paul. I even put up on Twitter this morning, I says that we may be a simple podcast, but we are fully in favor of Alex Marchant using Attitude Era themes. Honestly, at this point, what's stopping the Sens when they hit the ice for the opening faceoff, the arena goes dark, and all you hear is, are you ready? and Degeneration X theme plays. I would be like, yes, I'm in. So <laughs> Let's fucking go. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it, because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. We're on the National Podcast Network. You find our page on nationalpodcast.network. You find our links to iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. We're also on Twitter at Third Line Plug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M901 Honey Badger. I'm at Great White Gipster, GR8, WATE Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about the games, top of the hour, or you want to give some feedback on Trevor Shackle's guest co hosting duties here for Third Line Plug, shoot us an email, Third Line Plug Sensecast at gmail.com. So for the games of the week, now we got two games on the schedule for next week. We've got tonight's game versus the Washington Capitals, which we ended up losing 7-5. And Friday, we travel to Dallas, Texas to play Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, and the Dallas Stars. Kind of sad, man. There's only like two games for next week. but Yeah, but they're American teams. I know. Hard to believe. (laughs) So, Trevor... I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to join us for this episode. And I'm going to say right here, right now, because again, this is your fourth time on here. We've been doing this podcast for five years. There really isn't anybody who's contributed more to the success of the show than yourself, whether it be our season preview show, season recap interviews, you've always agreed and you've always been so great to us. So I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to do this. And all the best to you in your future endeavors. And hopefully we'll get you back on the se- on the show for the end of the season. Hey guys, I really appreciate that. That's, uh, that's very kind of you. And 
uh, yeah, no, it's, it's always fun to, to come on your podcast and um, yeah, always, always good chats and um, yeah, it, it is, it is pretty crazy to, you know, we've both been going for five years because yeah, I've, I've been going since 2016 and so yeah, like it's, it's crazy. So, um, you know, we're both, we're both getting close to hundred episodes and um, yeah, keep doing great work here on, on this podcast and um, yeah, thanks a lot for having me. Until next time, guys, I am your host, Heather Gibson. And this has been Tim Jansey. Go Sans, guys. Woo!